hello, hello, ladies. Good afternoon on this fine summer day. How's everybody doing? Hello, good, good wonderful, super good. <laughs> We have some special guests with us today that I am very, 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 very excited about. We have Hollis and Cher Worth with us today. Woo! Ladies. Woo! <laughs> oh, oh. It's, our, it's our first podcast. It's crazy. Yeah! We're so excited. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so lots of smiling faces in the studio today, which makes me very happy. <laughs> we are going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, let's uh, kick this off with a little Aretha before we get started, shall we? Yes. <laughs> Continuing our streak of badass babes on the show, as you already heard, we have two more right here, right now, and I could not be more honored to have us all together. I am so excited for this opportunity to chat with a whiskey legend today, Hollis B. Worth, and also her lovely partner, Cher. As many of you already know, Hollis is often referred to as the first lady of bourbon. In addition to knowing her whiskey, she is also a resilient fighter. She makes me proud to have chosen bartending as my profession. After 15, I'm sorry, after... 25 plus years in the industry. I'm so excited that today will be a little part of that illustrious story. It really means the world to us, ladies, that you guys are willing to share some of your story with us. My sentiments exactly, Kayla. <laughs> I mean, we're re we're really excited to be here. I mean, I don't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of like three better women to like first do a podcast with. So, oh, that means so much. <laughs> I am, I'm beyond thrilled to see all of these faces today. Um, and just listeners, this show is going to be a little tiny bit different than some of our uh, past shows. The discussion might get a little heavy at times, but we're still going to have some inspirational fun as we always do. But remember what this show is about. It's called Pretty Good for a Girl for a Reason, mm -hmm. and we always discuss badass babes for a reason. Sometimes we discuss David Bowie, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> also a badass babe, so it works. It works. That's so funny. Uh, okay. So before we get into what we're all drinking tonight, this afternoon, <laughs> Oops, Hollis and Cher, tell us, um, tell us two things about yourselves that people might not know about you. Oh, um, I really like taking Lego sets um, and combining them. So uh, quite frankly, instead of the posts that I've been doing, I would much rather be posting the jacked up Lego sets that I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just got the um, stretchy Ooh. Harry Potter night bus. Oh and wow! I got two of them, and I made it super stretchy. I I'm like it. I like very, that's very proud so cool. of that. Um, I don't. I love it. A second thing that people might not know. Um, mm. I hope you. I hope you pick up after those Legos because my four-year-old plays with Legos, and those puppies get all over the ground, <laughs> and you do not want to step on one. Yeah, no, that's not fun. Yeah, that that hurts. <laughs> I do agree. 
That's a sharp. That's a sharp edge. I don't hear, sure you give one. What's something people don't uh, know about you? About me? Um, geez, I don't know. Nobody knows anything about me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's gray and it's natural. It's um, awesome. It's beautiful, really. <laughs> I turned it white. <laughs> yeah, it's killer. And people are spending that. lots of money these days to have gray hair. I know. People come and I'm up like, to me. Yeah. And they'll argue with me. They'll be like, who does your hair? <laughs> Mother nature and age. Yeah. Like, no, tell me. You must tell me. And I'm like, it's father time <laughs> in a box. <laughs> if you could only get wisdom that way. Yeah, yeah there you go. so true. I know I see these young girls with their, you know, pretty gray hair. I'm like, damn, I could get that for free if I just <laughs> have the balls to grow it out, you know, and live with that two-tone madness for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Well, Gandalf thank you for Ray. sharing. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, uh, Kayla, what are we doing about drinks tonight? Well, um, as staff mixologist here, I would like to go around the room and ask everybody what they're drinking this afternoon. But wait, we're spilling the tea today. So actually, this is a tea party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raise your glasses later. Your cups. Raise, Raise your weird ass glass. This is mine. My... I love <laughs> I like mine. Mine's oh, a Breaking so Bad glass, if y'all can see that. Hold on. <laughs> oh, nice. Chill. I love those. those are, your guys' mugs are so cute. Those are adorable. <laughs> yes. The little kitty on top. That was adorable. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, so I, someone gave them to us as a wedding gift because I made this comment and it's, it's someone like I've never met before. They just like, can I send yes. you some wedding gifts? And I was like, Aww. yeah, sure. Why not? And, I love so, it. and we made a comment like, well, how come they always have wife and husband mugs? And like, and I said, how come they don't have ones that say each other? So they want on Cafe oh, Press. Wow. That's oh, so that sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. wow. That's so cool. That out there. Shout Shout out out I mean, you. hats off to you. Yeah. You're super awesome. Damaris. Damaris. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's amazing. So, all right. It is time to get into our discussion of the day. And before we do that, we're going to listen to a little bit of music again. And then I'm going to do a bit of a preamble. You're all tucked up inside your bed Put down your guns, use tea instead Then use the cup to smash their heads Sarah, can, can we just talk? Sarah? Okay, so if you do not know who Hollis is, you live under a rock, Hi. possibly, <laughs> or you are not in the whiskey community. Um... Which is very possible. So we will have Hollis just tell a little bit about herself and um, share, and we will get into our discussion. But before we do that, um, there's a couple of things that I want to say. Um, <clears throat> many people who are in the industry who do know Hollis and her story um, and what has gone on with the brand that she founded um, – already know the the meat and potatoes so to speak so 
We are going to put some links in the show notes. So if you look at your phone, if you're listening on your phone or your computer and you scroll down, the posts and stories and some news articles out there um, are included in those links. We're not going to go through that today because it's already out there. It's already been said that the truths have been spoken. Um, so please do though, if you don't know the story, pause this podcast and read about it and please read about it in total. Please don't just skim the articles. Um, some of them are lengthy. Some of the posts are lengthy, but it's very, very important that we read these things thoroughly now more than ever, that we try to read them with an open mind, that we try to remain impartial and listen to facts and Mm -hmm. also have compassion as human beings, Um, No matter what news outlet is breaking a story, no matter how um, impartial or partial you think it's being told, have an open mind and have some compassion. And please remember that we are all human beings. We were all born the same way. We all understand or misunderstand life differently. We are all going to pass away one day. We all feel pain, we feel happiness, we feel sadness, and I truly believe that every human being born to this earth deserves to have a happy, healthy, equal life. This, the whole basis of Pretty Good for a Girl was to celebrate badass women, of course. It was for us to send the message that you don't have to say that's pretty good for a girl, you can just say that's good, Yeah, that's great, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. This show has always been about equality. Uh, The network focuses on equality and diversity and truth telling. So some of our shows like Metal Rock and Whiskey, we have fun battling bands and Mm. battling whiskey and arguing with each other. Love on the Rocks, we talk about cocktails and mixology and Kayla and I get very, very nerdy. Mm. Um, but pretty good for a girl. We try to do things a little bit differently here. And so far, far, I'm very proud of what we've accomplished. And I think that is going to continue in a much more important way because of today. So let's start off with how to tell your story. So we're going to first dispel the myth of the hysterical woman. So number one, anger is not hysteria. It is okay to be angry. It is okay for a woman to be angry. It is okay for a woman to look like she is not in control. She may not be, or she may be in control, and just experiencing fucking emotion. (laughs) Sadness is not hysteria. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to mourn, mourn a loss of a moment, a loss of yourself, a loss of another person. It is okay to feel anger and sadness at the exact same time and not know how to handle that. Mm Fighting for a cause is not hysteria. It is okay to recognize that it's difficult, exhausting, and painful. Mm -hmm. It is okay to stand up for yourself, even if it makes you unpopular. Mm -hmm. There is somebody else out there, at least one other person, that has experienced what you have and understands what you're going through. So I just wanted to start there and establish that before we even get into our discussion. So we're first going to talk about... Once you've survived and broken through, for many, it's time to tell your story. And so, Hollis, I'm going to give the floor to you to talk about how do you prepare for that? How do you find the right allies? How do you remain healthy and heal during this process? 
So um, if you want to summarize your, your story or your current struggle and battle, um, please do. Thank you. Yeah, what you said was that was a great preamble. I think that's, I wish that was sort of, it should be a constitution Amen. of women at this point. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, before, you know, uh, before we did this show, um, we had kind of a little meet and greet first and, um, and I talked to Sailor and, and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this post this week. And so it has only, it hasn't even been a week since the, um, the Tuesday post where I started talking about sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so I'm, I'm giving myself like some room here to like grow, <laughs> but I want to say like, I feel really good. You know, I feel mm. like the sense of lightness and freedom that I would not, could not have explained or understood prior to like six days ago. Um, no matter what's been said or whatever, like I feel great. So that's um, awesome. And I talked to Sailor and I said, you know, it was really important for me to do that post because before I do, you know, my first sort of spoken interview, like real time spoken interview, I wanted to be able to have my whole story present within me. And I don't have to talk about that specifics of the story today with you. I just wanted to be whole and integrated in that um, my evolution. So because I think that's really important for me to be in ownership of my story uh, so that I can help other people take ownership of theirs. Um, so, you know, and it really, it wasn't until I did that post on Tuesday that I was able to go and, and you know, it's like my Wix site, which Sharon and I run and do, um, like the first home page of my story. Right. Um, and, and it was, you know, like, oh, I can simply write three paragraphs about me now. <laughs> it was, so it was really freeing. Really like, um, so, you know, if you go to that, you know, I'll just summarize the three paragraphs. You know, my story is about, um, uh, I, I, I was an artist from whenever I could pick up a little, uh, an implement to make something with it, you know, a mark. Uh, and then, um, I, when I was in my teens, uh, Tom, uh, had some ideas about bourbons and I had a lot of input. I helped to create a brand. Um, he had sourced some whiskey and uh, he wanted to do some more marks. And I said, I think we should name it bullet. Uh, why are we not naming it after us? I think a lot of, um, American whiskeys is about families. So I, I think that this is something, it's a story that's personal. It was more personal than thoroughbred whiskey. Um, which was very, in my opinion, generic. It had a picture of a jockey on a horse and it just, you know, sort of typical Keeneland horse racing fair. And I was really, you know, since I was, um, since I was gay, you know, teenager in Kentucky, closeted, I really followed a lot the, the arts from the New York Times and the Absolute campaign was prevalent that time. And, and I was really inspired by that. You know, Keith Haring, you know, he was in there. And so I, sort of understood that on some level that, you know, here's a liquor company that's actually um, trying to get queer customers. Um, and that that was new for me to see, probably for most mm-hmm. people. I remember um, that very well, being just su- seeing full page ads. Yeah, right. Know, in, in like major magazines, yeah. you know, and, and it was clearly speaking to a gay audience. I just thought, wow, 
unbelievable. And I was tearing them out and collecting all of them Me and keeping wow. files, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I had like, them all on my wall. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, I kind of feel like that should have tipped my parents off that I was super queer. <laughs> so right? I, I don't know. It's almost like having pictures of girls all over my wall, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, so, you know, I was part of that, you know, process from the conception of Bullet. And um, and very involved from, you know, the next 25 years plus. Um, I, and during that time, um, I went to Smith and kind of honed in on my feminism. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, you know, I was in New York and I had a mural business. Um, so I was always doing art in many different forms. Um, that's what I went to school and got my degrees in along with women's studies. And after that... Um, started working with Diageo. So I've kind of gone through 10, 20, 30 here because I'm 45 and now up to 40. I was, you know, with Diageo for um, about 10 years, at which time I continued on with innovation, with um, marketing, with branding, with with uh, product and how, uh, uh, you know, how the product looked, you know, whatever. Um, and then in uh, 20... 17, uh, Diage and I parted ways. Um, and you can read all about that. And I started speaking about homophobia and my experience of it in 2017. And then, uh, decided, um, which I don't know. It was the best decision for me then, but I, I don't know if it was the best decision ever, but you know, I decided to be quiet while I dealt with that, um, internally during the resolution agreement. Um, that we were working on. And, um, then, uh, and, um, then a couple years passed and, you know, uh, I, I was seeing a lot of things throughout this whole time. I was seeing, uh, my brand get diluted, um, through, uh, people kind of going at it from both ways. So either Hollis is great. She's passionate for the brand, which was not paid for, you know, and using that to sell the brand and inspire people to do cocktails with the name. And, and then also from the other end, like, well, Hollis isn't well enough to work and, or Hollis has, Hollis got a lot of money here. So, and it, and so there was sort of like this disparagement and passion coming at it from both ends. And, uh, and, uh, I think I, and, and during that time, I, I moved to Florida in 2018, you know, after the resolution statement went out. And I, so we're, we're going back to the original question. I've kind of caught up to the story here to your original question, which is, you know, once you've survived it and broken through, you know, you know, how do you start to figure out how to tell that story and mobilize? So I, I, I really hoped that the disparagement would stop. And, um, and I found that, um, being in a safe place and not having to, not being subjected to numerous emails or phone calls or people that were antagonizing to me or gaslighting me, mm -hmm. um, just having just time <laughs> around, uh, just sort of this really healthy quietness that, that my mind really started to heal. And I, I really started to take ownership of, yeah, I was there from the beginning and yeah, I did all these things. And, um, yeah, what these people said wasn't quite right. And, um, and also like what they're doing now isn't okay. Yeah. And originally, you know, in January, you know, I turned to share and I, we had just seen, um, watching the, do the documentary series, leaving Neverland. And uh, I said, 
And I turned to share for the first time and I was able to tell her a cohesive story about mm -hmm. my abuse, um, which she had only heard in parts. And I thought I'd told her, you know, a cohesive chronological story and I hadn't. So for the survivors out there, sometimes you mix it up. Yeah. Um, and um, but the fact that I could tell her this cohesive story, I, I even realized um, uh, that my brain was like healing, you know, like, wow, I'm able the, the denial's going away. I'm able to I have this clarity that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And and I took from that documentary series like it's never too late to share my story. I don't care if the statute of limitations is up. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I don't have enough evidence, you know, that people that would that would get, uh, that would convince a Trumper, because do I care? No. Um, like, and I turned to Sharon, I was like, you know what, I think that what, how I want to start is I want to go to Tom and I want to say, hey, um, and in a nice way, just, I made money and it's not often that, and this wasn't in the letter, but it's not often that it, uh, your the corporation you work for gives your bonus to your daddy. Uh, so, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, said, let's, let's, we have these great attorneys now. Let's, let's approach them and just say, Hey, I think mm -hmm. it's time for you to give me my money. And, you know, not hope he like, uh, you know, if he dies, he wills it to me, you know, not hope that if I'm a good little girl, I'm going to get the money because I have no idea what good little girl even means to that man. And I couldn't perform yeah. at this point. And, um, you know, it, and it just started there. Like I deserve my portion. And then and then all of a sudden I was taken out of this really safe kind of bubble that I'd put for myself externally. Like internally, it was always safe um, um, here in the new home that we have. But externally, it was like all of a sudden, you know, I just wanted to deal with Tom, didn't want to deal with Tom and Diageo. But I think what people don't understand is they're they're the same. They're this, they're they're together. They're they're a one dual. Entity. They're, if they're you, one that's entity. That's what it feels like from the outside as well. Um, and so it, it's kind of a triangle, but it never seems like that. Like I feel like it's a weird isosceles, and I'm on like the bunky end. <laughs> so like, so, yeah. but you know, um, you know, we contacted Tom and, um, you know, he didn't say, Hey, uh, it's great to hear from you. You know, uh, I haven't tried to speak to you for two years or, Hey, uh, you know, are you well, or, um, congratulations on getting married or, uh, can we send a gift or, yeah, I mean, you know, normal, the way normal right. people would try and act. And, um, yeah, we and made very sure that the letter to him was not threatening. No. And it was like, yeah. we want to just try to right some wrongs and start a discussion. And, you know. No, nowhere in the letter did it say, if I don't get this money, right. I'm going to start posting. Right. <laughs> okay? yeah. right? Right. And even in my mind at that time, yeah. I, I knew that I had more story to tell, but it wasn't necessarily formulated yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I had written parts of the story I felt like I could on Tumblr, like during that year that I was here, which really helped me, um, to get my story concise and, and it's rambling, but it helped my mind kind of start to fix itself. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, and we heard back from his attorney and it's like, you don't get nothing and hey, sue us, we'll bring you the full force of all of our stuff or whatever, you know, Golly. guys say now when they have their legalese. And so... Um, at that point, I was like, really, you're not even going to counter the money I thought I earned? Like, you're not even yeah. going to counter or you're not even going to be like, let's just keep talking, you know, or it, it was there was something very final about it. And it also said, you know, and we're going to forward this on to Diageo. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. really? So so now it's just us against Diageo again. It's just 
but it's not going to be the same. You know, I'm not going to do 2017 over because I learned that year. I don't Mm. feel like they did, but I did, which is great. And um, meaning that you're not going to stay quiet. Oh, no. Just hope for the best. God, no. Just so it was clear to the listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please make it clear. And also, you know, what you're what you're something you're talking about. I suspect there may be some people listening and what you just said might make them a little uncomfortable because something I've noticed, and I'm I'm curious what you all think of this is I noticed that it is a being a woman. It is very difficult to learn to ask for money that -hmm. you've earned what is due to you. I've experienced this myself. I still have a difficult time valuing myself in a financial way. Same. This is embedded in the way I grew up in the society that I grew up in, and I don't see much of a change right now. When women are still fighting for equal pay, you grow up feeling like you have less value. Um, Women asking for money is still seen as something negative, and that I, I will watch that play into, oh, well, her claims are false because she's connecting it to money. Well, if we're talking about abuse that happened while I was at work, fuck yeah, we're talking about money because it's the freaking only reason you go to work is to make Mm -hmm. money. It's to make a livelihood. That's what work is. Exactly. (laughs) By definition. You have, right, if you have experienced harassment, abuse, if you've been disenfranchised, it is marginalized and it's connected to your job or a project that you've done, yes, we're going to talk about money and it's okay. It is okay for women to demand pay that is correct and due to them. It is okay to ask for money that they have earned. It is okay to ask for money maybe that they just should inherit because that's what the other siblings or family members have inherited or whatever. So I want to get that off just out of the way right now. It's bullshit that women cannot ask for financial, for what they have earned financially. And it's bullshit that just because you are a survivor of something, you are supposed to say, well, no, this isn't about the money. It's about the abuse or it's about the harassment. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's about Mm -hmm. both. It is about both. Yeah, It's about both because I still have to, I still have bills to play. I have to, I I earned that. I worked hard for it. And also suffering from abuse is, and trying to heal from it is expensive. It is. Very, very expensive. If you have ever experienced um, a workplace injury or been injured while you're at work and you don't have protections, if you have broken a leg, an arm, had to have surgery, you know that it takes time to heal and recover and you have to go to doctor's offices and you have to maybe do physical therapy. It is the same Mm -hmm. thing with emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. It is the same thing with harassment, with, uh, with rape, with molestation. It is a much longer period of time to heal and often can take many, a team of people to help you be well again, just like if you broke your leg. Yeah. So it's very, very important that we understand kind of the, one of the, one of the root issues here and know that not only is it okay for Hollis to ask for what is due to her, but we must support her in that and all women to be able to comfortably have the conversation and say, Pay me. Pay Absolutely. me. Give me what's mine. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate I really appreciate you saying that. I think I think that there is something that is um that is proactive in asking for the money on my part too. That is that it is kind of that is 
that is political or activist, because I feel like that whatever number they assign to me, it raises everyone else's number. And I remember, you know, kind of reading through the hashtag me Too, you know, payouts and, yes. um, you know, thinking that that's not enough. It's never enough, but it's not even near. It's not even and, close. Um, I think, you know, maybe what people don't understand is that, you know, I'm, I help build this man. I help make this man. And I understand I can help unmake him. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of time to do that. <laughs> so, but I mean, I help make this man and, um, I, I am subjected to his success that was built on me and his enjoyment of that success financially. Um, his multiple homes that he's buying, the multiple businesses, the farms he's investing in. There's bullet land and cattle now. Um, they've given um, my brother a production company. And I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I went to school for art and I can do stuff. And I mean, he mostly plays air guitar. I mean, it's, it's very entertaining. I don't know if it's meant to be that type of entertaining. And I don't know if he's ever even had a job. So I get to see this other sibling who's heterosexual um, uh, get uh, get benefit from the money that I help make the family. I mean, it's and and it's not that I want to go out wheeling and dealing. And, and even if I did, that'd be fine. But I, I don't need three cars. You know, I think I think my, my brother has like maybe 10 or something. He has a fleet. Uh, I don't need a fleet, you know, but I'd like to feel like I could have two cars and feel okay about it. You know, um, two would be nice. Two would be nice, but but you nice. know, maybe not. Maybe we should save the environment. So you know, whatever. But you know, but more more importantly, I'd like to feel like I just have enough money for right. Sharon and I because I earned it. You know, I yeah. earned not. I earned. I earned. Uh, well, the lovely part of this entire process is that finally, uh, my advocation is my vocation, which is what I always wanted it to be. So I'm very pleased with that, um, and I'll find a way to make it work. But I really shouldn't have to, and. Um, you know, and on top of that, you know, Sharon and I don't have children and we believe in a lot of causes. Um, I, I would like to, to maybe, uh, balance out whatever money the bullets are giving to the Republican conservatives, <laughs> to, you know, other causes that we believe in, um, that are more liberal and, uh, more for LGBTQIA2+, you know, rights, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. to help keep my family, you know, in quotes, safe. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I pass, you know, that I would like that to be my legacy, continued safety. Um, you know, so it would be the intention to hoard some of that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. so it can go yes. somewhere good, you know, yeah. so it lasts us and goes somewhere well. So it's, it's, um, it's odd, you know, it, it's, it is odd that people have tried to say that it's a bad thing because I've never felt like it is. And I think it does stop a lot of women. Like, yeah. oh, you wanted money? Like, mm -hmm. no, I, I wanted health care. Yeah. Yeah, it does, exactly. it, it does stop a lot of women. There is a, there is a really disturbing piece of research done about um, women who make claims against, for, against former employers for various reasons, like, you know, all the reasons possible versus men. And women, I think it was 70, something like 70 something percent of women dropped their financial claims in lieu of apologies yeah. and so-called human resource changes. Yeah. And the men do not. I think it was like 2% of the men will drop the financial claim in lieu of an apology or, or a change in policy. Well, that well I did stand up for myself that way. The, the, well, also the men can afford to drop right. it if exactly. they want to. But just right. women just have a really hard time. We've talked exactly. about yeah. just saying, 
I mm -hmm. am valuable. I right. have brought value to your business and right. I am not replaceable. Yeah. You know, women just have That's a right. real hard time just saying, we were also talking about this earlier. You know, you can go look on, I forgot, there's various websites like glassceiling.com and find out yes. what your male colleagues are making. Yeah. And you'll yes. probably be very surprised. You'll be surprised. I've left at least two jobs over these kinds of issues and still am owed money from certain places that, um, haven't come forward. And, um, you know, there is that part in my head where I think, okay, maybe I could just message them and just say, Hey, bygones be bygones. Um, I just need to know that in the future, like if you're, uh, potentially in the same work community that I'm in, that I can still get some form of respect from that community. But when I look at that and I look at what you guys are doing, I look at what we're constantly, constantly facing. I have to recognize that no amount is too big if it belonged to me in the first place. And so it's, sure. it's, uh, it's amazing what you guys are doing. Um, I mean, you completely have my support and I know that more and more people, as they come to understand what the struggle looks like, they will open up and recognize that this is their struggle too. And, um, I think that kind of blindness, um, we do have a kind of greedy money focused culture. So sometimes it's easy to point fingers and blame and make assumptions, but assumptions need to go away. <laughs> we need to hear your stories. I'm so grateful that you guys can share your stories because that is what will cast aside assumptions is hearing the actual facts, hearing the truth from, from you guys. Absolutely. And to that point, there's an excellent podcast that I listened to called How I Built This. It's an NPR podcast. And um, you just get to hear stories from like the founder of Virgin, the founder of Zappos, the founder mm -hmm. of uh, Chuck E. Cheese and Atari, like <laughs> Whole Foods, you know, you know, how these people started and made their brand successful. And for me, the reason I listen to it is because, you know, I, there's so much fear and doubt when you're starting your own business or your own brand. And you think, well, those people must have just been successful from the get go. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is they they all failed multiple times. <laughs> and like halfway yeah. through the story, you're like, oh, my God, the guy went bankrupt. He never became successful. And you have to go, oh, wait, duh, I'm listening yeah. to the founder of Whole Foods. Like, clearly he made it, but I don't see a way out of this story so far. Um, and you find so often that so so many men that had their brands taken from them you know they went public then they were asked to step down or they were voted out or whatever and they're always given this huge severance package right. yeah. they're given so, <laughs> so something very yeah. important to understand is if i were to go back through all of those pot all of those shows and i there and and just in just in that one podcast the statistics of the women that walked away with what was due to them versus the men but also to understand, if you start a brand, even if it's just you created the name, even if for me, I worked for a company a million years ago and came up with the idea of this yellow suitcase for a travel site that, you know, doesn't exist. Well, the idea was sold off to another company and you may still see this yellow suitcase on commercials or whatever. That was my idea. I a, a colleague who had less experience in education than me that was a man took it from me um, and sold it to another advertising firm. And everybody knew that it was because I had pitched it. It was in, included in a pitch with, you know, like 100 people in the room. Um, and, you know, 
Just that alone, I am legally and technically due money for that and morally. Every time that's used, since it was my concept, I mm-hmm. should I should have gotten either a right. lump sum or get paid for it. Just like when you write a song. Even if you were just the drummer that sat there and went tap, tap, tap. Mm-hmm. I'm not dissing drummers at all. Not um, on this podcast, Baylor. <laughs> not at all. Not on this podcast. I'm just saying if it was if it, whatever you think is so simple, if you are a part of it, you are due royalties. You are due money. I just want to make sure everybody is clear about this issue that's mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. Um, because I see a lot of debate online and people not understanding. You are you get to make money off of that, just like whoever is still running it gets to make money off of it. You were a part of it. It doesn't matter if it was 50 years ago. It doesn't matter if it was two years ago. The woman who created Barbie, now her descendants, still make money off of Barbie because she created the fucking Barbie. Mm. Whoever painted <laughs> the makeup on it is still getting money mm. because they designed that style. This is true. Uh, the, wow. the way the makeup was done. So if you were involved in an early company or an early brand, just like people who got in with Yahoo and Google in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, have these enormous stocks because they were there from the beginning, right? <laughs> Yeah, you you still get paid for it and still get to uh, be monetized from that if the brand still continues to make money. That mm-hmm. is just the ABCs. It is black and white. That is not up for debate. That is not up for discussion. So that is one of the crucial things here is that this woman who's with us today helped to found a brand and she's being told, no, you do not get to continue to profit off of it, even though other people do. We're talking hundreds of other people. So that is, that's one issue. The other issue is the company that owns the brand is aware of the homophobic, um, issues and treatment this company owns so many brands we couldn't even list them on the show and (laughs) makes millions off of them Mm -hmm. to drop this brand would be nothing to them they chose they choose not Mm -hmm. to they choose not to even with the public outrage even with the the disconnect with the bartenders and the industry they choose not to so i just want to make this crystal clear for everybody in this discussion what we are talking about so that everyone gets it because this is how I see it and that's just that's how it is yeah. <laughs> we're on my fucking show my show is said that very concisely oh. mm-hmm. that's why we have this space we all get to tell our truths okay. and we, we 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 don't have to worry exactly. who's gonna like it or not like yeah. it we don't have sponsors we don't have to worry about pissing anybody off or upsetting anybody we get to and and if listeners mm-hmm. don't like it, all they have to do is click stop Change and they don't have to listen to it. <laughs> and it's that simple and that's fine. But somewhere we all need to be able to have free and safe space to talk our tr- to speak our truths. Yeah. Well, thank you for clarifying that because I think a lot of people do miss that. That, Like I said, women, you have value. And if you've given it, you deserve it. Don't feel shame. An apology. Yes. Nice. But don't stop at the apology. We need to. Damn right. You know, uh, continue. You need what's rightfully worth. Pay with yes. their earth, worth. Yeah. 
Well, and I think I think that maybe push that apology to be something bigger. I, I think yes. that I that's why I keep trying to push, you know, internal policy changes that are long lasting that go beyond Diageo to their third party vendors and to their um, consultants. Um, you know, I, I you don't I, I think it should be about keeping an industry safe, not just who's your employee and who has um, access to HR. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that this is systemic and I think that, you know, unfortunately I have a great example in my life story of, you know, uh, a child that was abused, that, uh, was trained to accept unacceptable behavior, um, within an industry. And, um, I think, you know, I think sometimes, you know, especially like within our industry, it, well, within the liquor industry, there are specific weird things that happen, just like when the Louis C.K. stuff came out and he was, you know, just all of a sudden you'd be talking to him and then he'd just be like tooling away at himself and you're like, what? You know, and, and people had a hard time understanding like that's abuse because it didn't like really have a name, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that there's like specific like grooming techniques that happen in our industry yeah. um, that, that, or that we're more susceptible to because it's available in our industry. Like it's super easy to be sitting at a bar having a drink with a superior yeah. um, because that's where your job is. It's at a bar having a drink. And you don't have to consume that drink, you know, but you still at a bar having a drink. And it's really easy for that, that you know, boss to misconstrue the situation or to manipulate it to say, yeah. oh, it's a date. You led me on. Oh, well, we're, well, we're just, well, don't, don't, we're at a bar. Just be casual, right? You know, it's no big deal. Yeah. Um, because they don't have, because they can look around and, and somehow think that their environment is making their behavior more okay than if they were at an office surrounded by, you know, three foot high walls yeah. <laughs> that are padded and family photographs, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, and there's issues I, in those places too, still. <laughs> so yeah, how much definitely. more dangerous is it in places where it's like the invites a little more open when well, people think of it that way? I think would be helpful for listeners because, you know, I've been doing this for a million years and I still can't get my freaking family to understand <laughs> what the hell it is that I do. They don't, they, they're like, you're bartending in all these places. And I'm like, Ugh, no, they don't, they <laughs> You're a salesperson? Uh, no, really. they they don't understand. So my job, you know, a brand ambassadors, they wake we wake up every day, and we you know we are responsible for telling the story of the brand. We are responsible for communicating um, information about that brand to get people excited about it and want to pour it, sell it, whatever. Um, and we do that in many ways. We go to liquor stores and we do in, if you've ever gone into your local liquor store and there's someone standing there, oh, do you want to taste this? That might be a brand ambassador. Um, you know, you're, you're at a bar and there's a cock, you know, cocktails on the menu and it specifically says the brand of spirit, you know, instead of saying, oh, this cocktail contains vodka, blah, 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 or whiskey, blah, blah, blah. It says, you know, this type of whiskey, this type of vodka. It's it's very likely that a brand ambassador sat down with mm -hmm. the bar and said, hey, you know, let's create a cocktail together. If you like my spirit, let's put it on the menu, um, you know, and, 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 you know, I'll come in and train your staff. Uh, staff training is a big part of our job where we go into a bar or restaurant. It could be during the day. It could be in the evening. And we teach the bartenders and the servers about the brand. 
Another big part of our job is meeting with the bar managers and owners of bars and restaurants. And often when you are meeting them, it is not during business hours. So you may be asked to go into an office, um, maybe one of the private dining rooms, somewhere quiet and away from people, which seems to make sense. You know, there may be servers setting up tables and the bartender setting up for service. People are mopping the floors. Um, you may be asked to meet during business hours or late in the evening, and you are sitting at a bar with this person you don't know. And oftentimes it is, it, let's use me, for example, me as a woman sitting at a bar with a man who's in a power position, and he's my client. And there are other people sitting at the same bar flirting with each other. They may be on dates. They, you know, they're having fun. They're getting drunk. But I'm at work. <clears throat> I'm, I'm at my job. And I'm there. I'm there as one professional to another to have a meeting. And um, my, the person in that power position pretty much has, you know, has a lot more power than normal because I am in their territory and I am in a situation where everyone around us is feeling casual and maybe inebriated. And it's just an un- it's a very unique and unusual situation. So unfortunately, just like with bartenders and servers, um, abuse and misconduct happens much more than some other workplaces. It is unfortunately very prevalent in our industry. And it is something that I feel we are just beginning to to make some headway at changing the narrative in our industry, um, supporting women who are speaking out and saying no, supporting whistleblowers, holding establishments accountable, and beginning to hold brands and companies accountable. And that is what I, one of the beautiful things that I see coming out of your story, Hollis, and what you and Cher are doing, um, in addition to some of the other women that we've had on the show that are trying to change the narrative completely, how brands are marketing to minorities or women. Mm-hmm. Um, we discussed when we had our talk a couple days ago, um, Johnny Walker creating the oh Jane Walker bullshit bottle. It's the stupidest they thing. Literally, they literally, they didn't juice. change <laughs> anything. They put a picture of a woman on the fucking bottle. It's still the dumbest thing. Oh my God, there's a woman on the bottle. It's a whiskey for me. Oh, it's a whiskey for me. Pink. Or pink mm-hmm. bottles, flavored whiskey. No, I remember oh. when Nouveau came out. I remember when Nouveau came out and I was at um, Master Whiskey meetings and Remember the guy pitching it going, it's pink. Women love pink. Mm. I think that was Ugh. part of, like, that was kind of the whole thing. Did you say and go fuck yourself? <laughs> a, a couple of the women in the room did. And did. I, I, I remember sitting there thinking, oh like, gosh. what? I mean, it was it was really bizarre. Um, I, okay, okay. I guess I thought, well, at least I'm not doing <laughs> I think we should come up with a brand called Salmon Shorts. And it should be yes. whiskey that is very high proof that has no flavor. And the only the only redeeming quality it has is that there's a, a nice pair of 
salmon shorts painted on the bottle. <laughs> Men will love it. Men will love yeah, it. Yeah, It'll be I've, great. I, I noticed that when we were living in Kentucky for a hot minute in 2016, the amount of men wearing pink shirts that insisted they were salmon. Oh, so oh, funny. There's, a, there's an entire Facebook group in Cincinnati <laughs> called the Salmon Shorts of OTR. And you would just, you would, if you saw salmon short sighting, you would take a picture of it. It even got written up in the Cincinnati <laughs> Inquirer, I think. Oh, that's so one funny. Time. And so you would just like on the DL <laughs> take a picture shorts. of like this guy in his salmon shorts and we'd be like, salmon shorts streaming up past and it was like, it started going out into the suburbs and we were like, you know, this re- oh, it was amazing. I mean, yeah, a little mean, but I'm I mean, in South Florida. Hilarious. That's too good. Salmon shorts over here too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Salmon shorts and salmon shirts, I imagine. Yeah. Salmon, not pink. Yeah, very, never very pink. Salmon. With little never salmon pink. animals on them, right? Yeah. Little whales that are salmon colored. Yeah. Or palm trees that are salmon colored. And it's like, wow, that's, that's matchy-matchy. Yeah. Look at you. You don't seem like you're on the DL at all. Gosh. Dude, if you want to wear a pink shirt or pink shorts, more power to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It. Call it what it is. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, no. I, I love a man awesome. who's comfortable in pink. It's it's yeah. always unnerving to me who a man who seems like he's comfortable in pink, and you're like, that's mm-hmm. lovely, and you're like, no, yeah, it's salmon. <laughs> I said I got in trouble in Kentucky a lot for that. I'd see some guy like wearing a pink polo shirt, and I'm like, oh, good for you. You you look, you know, you're, you're looking good, safe in your masculinity. You're well, yeah, you yeah. wear pink, and it's every single time it's salmon. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even think about the other color. I don't think I don't think we call a color salmon. I mean, yeah. I, I do enjoy Cher because she she is very honest, right? Yeah. And and um, it's it's mm-hmm. she just says it how it is, and sometimes you know like unfiltered and and really emasculating, enjoyable. <laughs> um, you know, did say some things to Tom that mm. really made her day. Sometimes it's nice you know, to watch just, him squirm a little bit. <laughs> She would kind of pat him on the top she of the head. No, I pat him on the chest. In the chest, even worse, right? You know, I mean, like she called him on like wearing lifts in his shoes at one point. I think I don't. It was hilarious. I don't. Oh, I said okay. something like, "Well, you know, Tommy, mm-hmm. in real cities, <laughs> <laughs> and people in live real, in real ooh, cities. Have this problem. That's a good blow." Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, "What did you say? I can't believe you said that." Yeah, I know. I know, but he didn't get it, you know, because in Kentucky, it's the epicenter of the oh, world. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. yes, yeah, it's yeah. so a real, for sure. real city, real state. I mean, Kentucky can be a super cool place. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in Louisville, and. <laughs> I I feel like when I'm inside the city of Louisville, I felt like it was breaking the um, stereotypes, you know, it felt like a lot of other cities to me. Um, But yeah, it's definitely a place that still has a lot of issues with equality and um, homophobia. Uh, You know, unfortunately, that's pinned on the South often. Yeah, uh, it's it's often true. It's because it is still true. And it's it's a shame. And if I lived in Kentucky, I would want to fight like hell to make sure that I was my my city and my state were not defined by that. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, it's still very prevalent in the whiskey community. And I think um, one of the beautiful things about the whiskey community is we have this wonderful online presence. And we're all very friendly to each other and very kind to each other and very supportive. And it gives a false sense of what the industry is like. 
Um, I mean, I'm happy to be a person that has been a part of that for years and helps to cultivate that friendship. Um, all of the people that I podcast with came from whiskey friendships on Instagram. Um, a lot of people that I've met in person, I met them first um, through whiskey communities online. Um, but, you know, friends that are listening, be sure that that is not how the entire industry operates. Mm -hmm. um, and so we still have a lot of work to do to stamp out some of the um, injustices and, and the antiquated values um, that and policies that happen um, in the spirits industry and in the whiskey industry. Um, and I think that that comes to an important point. When we know about this, what do we do? All right, ladies, sadly, it is time to say goodbye, but we will return in two weeks with a new episode, so please make sure to hit that subscribe button. Actually, we are turning Actually. this into a series. Fuck it. Yeah. Because we just could not get enough tea time with Hollis and Cher. I agree. So, ladies, you're coming back.